Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, Paul is praying for the believers there in Asia Minor, and he says he, he prays for them that he, meaning God the Father, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with all power. Think strengthened with power. How many of you can use a dose of that? Through his spirit in the inner man. That would be in your spirit. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, in your spirit, through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of God which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. You know, we really have way more to do with that. Notice he says that you may be. That's a conditional. In other words, we have, it's, it's not automatic. How many of you have noticed that? Any, anyone who is married has discovered that marital bliss is not automatic. Do I hear an amen? amen. For those of us who have been married for a longer time, uh, that we can tell you that while it has well been well worth it, it's been work. You know, you have to you have to put something into it. You have to you have to labor at it. All right, and so what I want to talk about tonight, tonight is that walking in that. First of all, let's go to John three sixteen. We'll project that for you. But John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world." That he gave his only, his monogenes, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. King James, I believe, translate that everlasting life. But what we must remember is that that is not a quantity of life. It cannot be a quantity of life. Why? Because none of us is eternal. None of us ever will be eternal. It is impossible to be eternal in the future if you weren't eternal in the past because eternal means you always have been, always were, always have been, always and are and always will be. Only God, not even the angels are eternal beings. So when he talks about eternal life, he's and people read this and they think, okay, you know, that, that it says so that uh, they may have, you know, that, that they may not perish, but have eternal life. And so they go, okay, well, that, that's missing hell. Well, true, you know, but that's just the smallest part of it. Eternal life isn't how long, because every human being who has ever been conceived is, spiritually at least, immortal from the day of conception forward. That soul will always, that little spirit will always exist. So he isn't talking about mortality or immortality. He's talking about eternal life is a quality of life, a kind of life. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, 
Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, meaning the sheep, might have life and have it abundantly or have abundance. The thief comes to what? Steal. That's the word klepto in the Greek. How many of you think you can think of an English word that might line up with that? It kill Thusia to sacrifice to his own ends and destroy Apollo me. That's actually the, uh, uh, the Greek and, and Abaddon in, in Hebrew to destroy. He came to rip us off. He comes to use us up, ruin everything good of ours. As he, how many of you know that, you know, Randy and I were talking about before service, how the last couple of days, it's like everything that it was just niggling stuff, but everything that could go wrong did. How many of you have had that kind of thing? And Jesus came, you know, Jesus came to offer life in place of the mess we had. Amen. He characterized his life as abundant. Not paltry, not penurious, not barely enough. You know, uh, years ago, I had a Chevy Tahoe. And um, I, I, I stopped at the Quick Trip. There, I think it's still there. At, at Lee Summit and 23rd Street. And decided to get uh, Lee Summit Road and, and, and get to get gas. So I put the, the nozzle in the, in the truck and clicked it. My, my tank was pretty much empty and the, and the tank on that was, you know, like 400 gallons or something. But anyway, you know, I, I, I you know, and then I did something I shouldn't have done. And now you see signs don't do this. I walked away from it. You know, expecting the thing to work. And I went into the store to get something, expecting to come out and find that it shut itself off. And while I was in the store, somebody goes, who's Tahoe? And I looked out there and gas was just pouring out of the thing. Because even though the tank was full, the nozzle's still spewing. My tank runneth over. I went running out there, stopped the thing. You know, and I'm wondering, I wonder if they're going to call the fire department and do a wash down here because, I mean, there's gas running. I, you know, I got out there, you know, the guy hollered just as it started happening because he was walking in the door. And so I don't think I got more than a gallon on the ground. But boy, a gallon of gasoline, you know, one of the things I learned when I was on the fire department is I think it's a cup of gasoline dispersed over the size of a garage has the explosive power of a stick of dynamite. I mean, boom. All right. And so that is, I had an abundance of gas. Olene. Want to make that clear. All right. Press down, shaking together, running over into the gutter, splashing around gas. I don't remember what it was at the time, but it wasn't what it costs now. Otherwise, I would have been sobbing. The fact is, that is the kind of life that God wants us, in, in which he wants to, us to walk now. Don't put this off to eternity. One of the reasons that we took some time this evening to just dwell in the presence of the Lord 
and uh, you know the Lord gave us some extemporaneous and 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 then there was just time when there was just music and there was a time and you may have heard me say oh, you know sing him your song sing him your song because it is through those times of worship when we are face to face with him when we come before him that is where we get gassed that's where we that's where the we we that's where we really lock and we get a hold of him. That was you know I made the comment about Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail and how they were singing praises at midnight and God sent uh, an earthquake and not only set him and Silas free but everybody else in the entire jail. Now that's what I call evangelism. I have a feeling that this church got started. Maybe that Philippian jailer was the very first pastor. But I'm sure some of his members were people who were in jail that night and were witnesses, eyeball witnesses, to what had happened. Look at this. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Verses 11 and 12. And the testimony is this. That God has given us eternal life. Not is going to give, has given. Perfect tense there. And this life is in his son. Look at verse 12. He who has the son has the life. So in other words, if you're waiting for eternal life, wait no longer. You've already got it. He goes on to say, he who does not have the son of God does not have the life. So much for universalism. So much for everybody's going to heaven. That wouldn't make a lick of sense if that were true. That quality of life is here now. It's not something we collect at physical death. It, or, and it's not even the result of righteous living because that life came to us before we ever did anything for the Lord. When we believed, boom, that life came to us right then, right there. And it has never left. Everybody say amen. amen. If you have the son, you have the life. What kind of life? Eternal life. What does that mean? It means there are certain things that are available to me that if I walk in them, that God will help us will 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 allow that to rest on us first or Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 for he rescued us from the domain from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son we have been transferred out from under the authority of he who steals, kills, and destroys into the kingdom of his beloved son, into the kingdom of his abundance, into the blessing, into the life. All of the ber- verbiage points to one thing very clearly, and that is that this he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about today, here, now. You got to get a hold of this because in the days to come, if you're not believing God, you're struggling. We enter his rest. But not everyone who possesses eternal life walks in it. 
Having it is one thing, it's provided, but then actually taking advantage of it is another thing entirely. Can you even imagine? I, yeah, uh, um, the lines for the uh, lottery tickets at the QTs has slowed down somewhat because somebody in Florida last week won the 1.2, 1.4, how many billion? What was it? 1.5? 1.5 billion. Now, if you take one, if you win 1.5 billion, you don't, if the only way you get 1.5 billion is if you take the equal payments over 30 years, to which I say, no way. But if you take the cash option, it's significantly less, like about half or so, right? And I saw that this individual, after doing the cash option and after the, the con confiscation of taxes, wound up with like four with with a paltry four hundred and eighty nine million dollars <laughs> paltry okay how many of you think you could get by on that I'm pretty sure I could been doing it on a lot less all right now imagine that I won the lottery or you won the lottery and they deposited the four hundred and eighty nine million directly into your bank account, which by the way, that wouldn't be a safe thing to do today, but they did, let's just say they did, and you're going about your merry, your merry life, just like, you know, going to work and just, you know, and scraping by, you know, at your, at your, at your minimum wage job or whatever, when you've got all this available. And finally, somebody says, you do realize that you're allowed to take that money out of the bank you do realize that those funds are yours to appropriate and use as you see fit and you say what so in other words you have to act on that are you with me here okay well god god has made this available to us all of this you know when he says you'll have treasure in heaven he's not kidding and having it is one thing, but then taking advantage of it is another thing entirely. You know, most people decide to do things the hard way. Okay, I can think of two ways to get to Hawaii. How many of you have been to Hawaii? Well, you're ahead of me. I haven't. How many of you want to go to Hawaii? Certain places you shouldn't go right now. All right. But, so you could go to Hawaii in an airplane? Preferably a big one, not like what we were flying the other day. Or you could paddle a rubber raft all the way from the port of Los Angeles across the Pacific Ocean to the islands. How many of you think one way is much, much easier than the other? Well, that's just it. If we're doing it in our own strength, that's us out there on the, in, the, in the, the rubber dinghy. Amen. Doing things God's way is the easy way, even if it doesn't look or feel like it right now. It's the best way. Any other way might seem easier, but it is actually harder and less productive. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 say that we, and I noticed that I had not given Susan that here on the scripture sheet, and 
And so um, Hebrews chapter, it says that we enter his rest. Now, what does that mean? It means that we come to the place where we bow our knee to him. And what we're doing is we are allowing him so there remains a Sabbath rest. Way to go, Greg. Thank you. So there remains a Shabbat, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Everybody say, that's me. For the one who has entered his rest has himself rested from his works, just as God rested from him. What do we do? I've been standing in this pulpit for well, let's see, since 2002, so that's 21 years, for the last 21 years, my entire focus in ministry has been affected by what the Lord said to me when he said, I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. And I started sharing that, you know, I, I started sharing that almost right away. And even when I don't make a direct reference to it, you can see, you can, if you know me, you can, you can see that idea, that motif, if you will, that is not very far removed from, from, from the front. And Jesus gave, Jesus gave an illustration at the, you know, when he did his, um, did his uh, altar call for the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, he starts talking to his disciples and somewhere along the, the way, the crowd finds him. And so he ends this way in seven, Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, literally the Greek says does them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Do you, do, do you notice that there's nothing about this guy going out and putting up sandbags around his property? Or, you know, going down and buying, you know, these high-capacity pumps and putting them in to suck the water and blow the water out just as fast as it comes in? No, he doesn't have to do that because he has already built his house on the rock and he knows he's all right he's inside uh, years and years ago uh, my wife and i went up to kathy was going through her family tree and and finding all of the people to whom she was related and everything and i believe it, uh she had a cousin i believe is and she's not sitting right here she you know i think his name was charles but anyway and he might even have been a second cousin or something. But anyway, we, we, we were up in, in Minnesota and we, uh, we said, let's get together and everything. And so we met for dinner at the Rochester airport because there was a nice restaurant there in their airport. And we didn't fly up. We were driving. But that's, they said, let's just meet at the airport. There's a real good restaurant. We said, well, OK. And so we met them there. And it was raining when we arrived. All right. And then... When we, 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 we got, you know, it was, it was getting heavier. And so we got out of the car and got inside. And then, I mean, it came a gully washing toad strangler. Like we had Sunday afternoon. And in fact, when we left here Sunday, we, we left here, we went over and got a bite to eat. We came back. I brought Kathy back to get her car. And then we we're going to go home. 
And on our way north on Little Blue here, it started to rain so hard and it was so windy that Bub was in the truck with me and he said, can you see? And I said, yes, son, I can see. And then right after I said that, the phone rang and Kathy said, I'm pulling off. Or she had pulled off. She pulled over into the lot over here at the Dairy Queen. And she said several other people had done the same thing because visibility was down to next to nothing. Well, when we were at the airport there in Rochester, they had, you know, there were at the place we were, they had these great big plate glass windows there in the restaurant where you could sit and eat and look out over the field, the planes landing and taking off or of an evening like it was. You know, where we were, you could see the runway lights and all that kind of stuff. It was, it's, a, it was a, it's a nice little venue and everything. But I'm telling you, we're standing there watching because it looks like nine fire trucks with deck pipes. Those are the, that's the water gun cannon thing on top. Deck pipes had them trained on those windows. And they were, it was, I mean, the water was falling off of those windows in massive sheets. And it was roaring because it was, you know, it's like they hitting that thing like this. And we're standing there, you know, and somebody said, weren't you afraid the glass was going to break? I was so amazed at the show, it never even occurred to me. And we're standing there watching that, and it's this violence and this water that's just crashing and the, the sound of thunder and, you know, and hail and all this stuff. And we're just standing there watching it. Wow, this is quite a show. Now, had we been outside in a tent, and I have been <laughs> in situations like that, that is the guy who built his house. He was a doer of the word. He's just standing there watching the, the river blast against his windows, but not even a drop is seeping in. Turn to somebody and say, God wants your basement dry. How many of you, how many of you can like rejoice in that? All right. He said... He goes on to say in verse 25, And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. In my devotional reading just this morning, I read about in 2 Kings 4 of Elisha and the widow whose sons, her husband, my husband, your servant is dead and you know that you're servant feared the Lord and now the creditor has come to take my two sons into slavery so she owed money and back then she would take the sons now I want you to think about this situation a little bit further the fact that they, she, they took her sons means that now she has no means of support she's gonna you know she's a widow and so this is a, is a situation. So what did Elijah say to her? He's Elisha say to her. He said, go out, get yourselves, you know, borrow pots and pans. What have you got in your house? Well, I don't have anything but a little jar of oil. Okay, go out, you and your sons, borrow pots, pans, urns, vessels. Don't just get a few. Get a lot. Then go shut yourself in and pour. 
Well, I'm sure it seemed, I'm sure when she went out and told her sons, okay, we're going to go collect all these. Why, mom? Because that's what the man of God said to do. Well, when the Lord says to do something, what is faith? Faith is acting on that word. So what did they do? They went out. She was in faith. They gathered all these vessels into the house and shut the doors per instructions. And then she took her little bottle of oil and began to, to pour out. And it said oil began to pour out of it. So they did the word. They did faith. Now what's happening? Grace is coming forth in huge measure. We are saved, we are healed, we are blessed, we are delivered, we are prospered. That's the word soteria, salvation, means all of those things. By grace, through faith. The oil stopped when her provision, when it reached the end of her provision. If she'd have had ten more vessels, she'd have had ten more vessels full of oil. If she'd have had ten less, she would have had ten less left of oil. How many of you see the illustration? When we do the word, God makes him, when we're obedient to him, he makes himself responsible for the outcome. Are you hearing me? He does the heavy lifting. We make the preparation. He is our shield. He is our son. He is that's S-U-N. He is the glory and the lifter of our head. Amen. We, on the other hand, rest. I'm, I just remembered that. How many of you have seen the Rocky movies? You know, and of course, in the first one, he gets beaten. Well, actually, he gets beaten up in all of them. But in the second one, he finally wins. You know, he beats Apollo Creed. And... When it's over, he's, I mean, he's just, he's a mess. Because Apollo has really worked him over. And at the end, you know, they hold up his hand and he goes, Adrian! Calls out his wife's name. Right? If they handed him the check, Adrian walks into the ring, takes the check. He's a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Again, when we are doers of the word, when we do what the scripture says, we place it in his hands. You know, sometimes we push so hard and sometimes we make it hard and sometimes we groan and sweat and all that kind of stuff. And we forget that the battle is the Lord's. I was just discussing a situation with Aaron uh, today and I reminded him about the time that he called me from Denver and it was a very negative situation and he was very discouraged and I said somehow this is going to work out and I prayed with him on the phone I was actually on my motorcycle riding when he called and I felt the phone buzzing I pulled over and called him back I was on E out here headed south into Strasburg okay just come off of double V coming out of um, uh, Pleasant Hill. And so I talked to him on the phone for a little while, tried to encourage him, prayed for him. 
And I got back, you know, once I hung up, I swung my leg over the bike, started up and started down the road. And one of the reasons I love to ride motorcycles is because I pray in the spirit while I ride. And not just to stay alive, <laughs> you know. But I love to commune with the Lord that way because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm what, you know. And um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very, very clearly. And because I was concerned. I said, Lord, I don't even know how to pray about this because what he's facing there isn't fair. And it's, you know, and just all this stuff had lined up against him. And he was very concerned and I was too. And as I was praying, I started praying in the spirit. And within like less than a minute, the Holy Spirit said, watch what I do. Now, he didn't promise anything per se, anything specific. He just said, Watch what I do. In the next three to six months, that entire situation reversed. And the people who were a problem were demoted. And he got under a supervisor who nurtured him. And he rapidly started rising and gaining both, uh, both skill and uh, uh, accolades for his, for his work. Watch what I do. And I reminded him of that today. I said, I told the Lord, I'm still watching. I'm still watching. Amen. We can put our full confidence in him. One time we were headed to Rochester, going up there for Christmas. And I had a 197, this will date me. I had a night, we had a 1978 Dodge Aspen. How many of you remember the Aspens? The Dodge? It, I think it was a Plymouth Valari and a Dodge Aspen. And it had a 318 cubic inch V8 in it and all that. It wasn't all that fast, but it was, you know, it wasn't a bad car. And we were driving along and we got into Iowa. Iowa is famous for having some of the worst weather. And we got, and we were in freezing fog. Have you ever been in freezing fog? And I would rather have, I mean, I would almost rather have snow. Maybe even freezing rain, because at least then you know what's going on. And the, that, that car was so old, it had an aerial, it had an antenna for the radio. How many remember when cars had, you know, aerials, you know, some kids have no idea, what's an aerial, <laughs> you know, and Rime ice had formed on it as big around as a quarter, you know, and the, and it was and it, I mean, and there was a truck in front of us going north on 35 as we were going through Iowa. And uh, and a lot of people think of Iowa as flat. No, 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 no. Is am I telling the truth, Peggy? Iowa is not all flat. In fact, in southern Iowa in particular, there's some pretty good hills. And we're driving along, and I could see those lights in front of me. And I'm just, just like she was the other day, I, I was following those lights. And I also, even though I couldn't, the visibility was terrible, and the road was getting slippery. In Iowa, the Department of, 
of transportation has been very, very faithful to put up those little lollipops, just every, you know, the little reflectors on the side of the road. And I mean, they were there just, just super. I mean, you know, I could tell exactly where the edge of the road was because I could see the, you know, the lollipops. Now, I'm as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Pull over. No. No, I'm not going to pull over. We need to get to Minnesota. Right? So we're driving in the uh, freezing fog, don't you know? And, and you know, the, the, we're, it, the, we're, and it's, I'm, have you ever been driving and, and I uh, heard Bill Cosby say this one time, suddenly when you get in a situation like that, the radio is always too loud. And you turn, and you know, I'll be driving along and I would lean forward like this and realize that my back was soaking wet. I mean, I'm sweating bullets and I've got three kids in the back seat who are back there kidding each other and tickling each other and wrestling around like everything's okay. They clearly do not understand the mortal danger they are in. That's exactly the way God wants us to be. I can tell you this. God isn't dependent on the truck in front of him. He isn't depending on the little lollipops on the side of the road. And let me tell you something else. When we got to Minnesota and started to get on 90, that truck went a different direction. And Minnesota is nowhere near as faithful as Iowa about putting out their lollipops. God wants us to rest. Amen. That doesn't mean we're not doing anything. No, we're putting our hand to it, you know. But he's our dad. He's got the thing well in hand. You know, Jesus said, consider the lilies, how they, you know, of the field, how they neither do they toil, neither do they spin. And yet Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. Will he not do so more so for you, O men of little faith? Another one he said, consider the birds of the field. Are you not much worth much more than a bird? And that was a, a rhetorical question. And the answer is yes. You know, when was the last time you saw a bird flying around going, I believe I receive, I believe I receive, I believe I receive. No, they don't worry about it. They just go out and eat. Amen. Um, one of the things that they used to say in athletics, I don't know if they still say it anymore, that some of these guys that were really good, they say, oh man, that guy's just unconscious. In other words, even thinking about it, he's just, he's so good, he just, uh, that's the way we're to be in our walk with God. We're we'll so focused on him, we're not really even aware of all this. Here's the enemy on the sideline going, and trying to, I'm going to get you like this. We don't even see him. Why? Because we're so focused on Jesus, we don't even know what the enemy's doing. Or don't care. In fact, Matthew 6 and 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Take no thought. Do not be worried. Which of you, by worrying, has added anything to anybody, anywhere, at any time? 
Remember a man of God talking about how his wife, no, his mom, you know, he would be traveling at night, you know, a lot because he was traveling ministry. And, you know, it's, you know, he, his mom, when she knew he was coming in, particularly he was coming in from a distance, sometimes he didn't have the money to stop for, you know, to, to sleep over in a hotel or anything, just had money to get with gas to get home. And she wouldn't go to sleep until he'd come in. He said, Mom, why are you staying up? Well, I'm just really worried about you. And he said, is that blessing you? Is that blessing you? Did I get here any sooner? Do you think your worry reached out and helped me in some way? How many of you get it? Now, faith, you know, takes time to grow. Trust is something humans generally award to someone gradually. Growing faith is growing trust. And the better we know someone worthy of trust, the more likely it is that we will trust them. How many of you follow me here? Okay. And that's why we worship. That's why we come together. That's why we, we, we come to church. That's why we study the scripture. That's why we pray. That's why we do those things. Because in, when you're reading the scripture, you are fellowshipping with God around the scripture. When you are praying, you're fellowshipping with God in prayer. Amen. If our uh, musicians would come. You know, the, the better we know God the easier it is to trust him. You know, if God is a stranger to us, we have no idea, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to trust. And we're already following an unseen teacher. Is everybody with me? All right. And so the better, with, that's why we, you know, it's like tonight when we had that, that, in, that, that interlude, that was opportunity to love on him, to worship him, to get to know him. Because when we do that, when we come into his presence, we are transformed. We are changed from glory to glory and faith to faith. And one of the things we learn about God as we draw near to him is that, guess what? He's for us, not against us. He is not angry at with us. You know, there are people, Christians, who actually believe that God is causing them problems as retribution for past failures. That is so, what a place of bondage. What a place, you know, and I know, you know, we have a tendency to grow up seeing God colored through the lenses of our earthly fathers. And if we had a father who was abusive or overly strict, we might tend to see God exactly that way. But that is not the God of the scripture. And we have to believe him. In fact, he loves us so much that he says, here, believe me, do this, this, and this, and I'll take care of the rest. Are you with me? All right. He doesn't want us... He doesn't want us doing it for him. I'm going to do this for God. Uh, I know what you mean, but that's not a good policy. Well, what do you mean? God doesn't want you doing things for him. He wants to do things through you. 
That's what it meant there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20. He is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works where? In us. Hallelujah. Man, God is love and he is the lover of your soul. All of the wrath that you and I deserved, Jesus took. Every bit of it. All the wrath we did deserve, all the wrath we do deserve, all the wrath we will ever deserve. Don't get me wrong, I am not preaching antinomianism where we can just go out and do whatever we want because the consequences of that will come down on our heads. You know, if you... You know, stick your, if you take a knife and you stick it in the electrical socket, something's going to happen. Shocking. You know, it's, if we, you know, if we, if we, if we, you know, you know what I'm saying? I could give other illustrations, but it's not, you get the point. The point is, Jesus took all of that so that we could be filled up to all his fullness in love. And love does no ill to its neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. How many of you with me? All right. And as we walk in that abundant life, I think next week we're going to talk about joy unspeakable and then we'll move on to whatever the Lord has for us next. But I'm telling you, saints, in the days to come, it, it, in fact, not just the days to come, right now. Start pr practicing it right now. You listening by web, start practicing this right now. I mean, the news is so full of stuff where we are watching our nation turn into a third world country. What we used to call a third world country. We're turning into a third world country in some of our cities. We are turning into a third world country the way Banana Republic, the way our government is being run. It is, and I'm, it, you know what? It, you, you just measured. I'm not dinging on anybody. I'm just saying those are the facts. And for those of us who've been around long enough, it, it would be so easy to get so depressed over it because we have seen how far things have fallen. But God... In the midst of all of that, we have to know that we know that we know we have built our house on the rock and that whatever and that God has everything well in hand, well under control and that what he is allowing to happen is with purpose. Doesn't mean he's making it happen, but he'll squeeze it. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and turns it for good. For we know, we don't guess. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And we are called according to his purpose. If you're watching me by web and you do not know Jesus Christ of Nazareth as your Lord and Savior, I assure you, you need a Savior. We just read it over in 1 John chapter 5, I believe it was. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. The only way to have the life is to have the Son. And the only way to have the Son is to call on the name of Jesus and ask Him to come into your heart, come into your life, to lay your life at the feet of Jesus, to repent and say, I'm turning my heart, Lord. I want to walk the way you want me to walk. I make you Lord of all. And you will be born again. And you will be transferred, as we saw in Colossians, 
out from under the dominion, the authority of darkness and into the kingdom of abundance, abundant life. We're not just talking about finances here because you can have all the money in the world and be miserable. A lot of people are, believe it or not. Christian, in for a penny, in for a pound. I keep saying this all the time because the Lord's really impressing me with this. That the way ahead of us is very narrow. It's always been that way, but there's been more latitude. But as the environment becomes increasingly austere and inimical, in other words, against us, we have to walk that, walk his way, walk that path, because that's where the blessing, the provision, the protection, that's where it is. Stay on the path. And when the storms come, to mix my metaphors, when the storms come, your house, your life will stand. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.